Ladies, gentlemen, geeks of all ages, you are now entering BJ Shea's Geek Nation. Welcome. Yes, welcome to BJ Shea's Geek Nation. I am the Reverend Enfuego. Across from me is BJ Shea because hey. everybody else is on assignment, which is fine. They're going to do stuff and we can talk about the stuff we want to talk about. That's a good point. We have a lot of stuff to talk about. We don't need them. Yeah. It is comic book day, so BG will talk about the latest fare from Mr. Spider-Man. Spidey-Man. We will talk about the Disney Plus Marvel series Hawkeye. Because, Hawkeye-Man. Yeah, it's a good Christmas uh, Christmas special holiday feel for everybody. We'll, yes. We'll also talk about Netflix's Cowboy Bebop, Star Trek Discovery, and Doom Patrol. And maybe more, but probably not, because that's still a lot of stuff to do. Or, or maybe not. <laughs> if you guys want to get a hold of us, you can do so by sending us an email, bjgeeknation at gmail.com, or you can hit us up on our social media, uh, leave comments, and uh, send us messages there. Plenty of ways to do that. You can find all of our stuff also at bjgeeknation.com. Plenty of places to interact with us or uh, check out some of our older episodes as well. And, of course, you can find all of that on the Odyssey app as well. You can spell that with A-U-D-A-C-Y. Odyssey. Odyssey. Exactly. All right, BJ. It is comic book day. And like I said, Spider-Man puts out what? How many do you say? Like a million uh, million issues a, a week? Yeah, it's. it's or a month. I, I think it's like, yeah, it's. I, I think we're getting three a month now of the Amazing Spider-Man. Wow. Because it's all part of the Beyond saga that is happening. Beyond is a corporation that has basically monetized Spider-Man. They they somehow bought the branding rights and own the name Spider-Man. That's so weird. And they got one of Peter's clones, Ben Riley, and said, "Hey, man, Ben, guess what? You're going to be the new Spider-Man." And Pete's like, wait, what? And before Pete could really argue about it, he got his ass kicked and put in a coma. So now really there is the only Spider-Man that's out there is Spider-Clone working for this corporation who does give him a lot of cool tools. I mean, this is on the MCU level of Tony Stark giving Peter Parker all sorts of cool stuff to work with. Uh, And Ben has got, uh, but he doesn't have the experience. He doesn't have the savvy. So there's a lot of things that he's trying to do in order to, you know, live up to the Spider-Man name. He has everything. He's got Peter's memories, obviously, because he's a clone. But you know, he doesn't. He, he still doesn't have the skill set. Like he's, he's just done the experience that Peter has when it comes to fighting certain dudes. So um, this is what's been happening. Craven the Hunter has shown up lately, and Craven's decided that you know what, drugs are a good thing. So he's like just shot Peter, or I should say Ben, with lots of darts of drugs that make him just like trip out. Oh no! And now he's pretty much at the uh, mercy of Craven the Hunter, and. Um, and Craven is not happy because he's like, wait, you're a corporate. You're now corporate. You're sponsored. What the <laughs> hell? So yeah, and so they. they so it's it's Craven. This in this particular uh, issue, seventy nine. Craven is up against him. Uh, last couple issues, he had to fight Morbius and had to deal with Morbius and all that stuff. Uh, Morbius bit him. I mean, so oh. but they were able to they were able to figure that out. But Morbius was trying to bite Spider Man because apparently uh, he was trying to help himself out. Like he kept saying, "I need more of your blood." In, in Morbius talk, his he blood, was, yeah, and yeah, he was in full vampire mode, and so you know, Ben was like, "Well, I wonder is it, does he need my blood because maybe there's something in it that will heal him? What's going on? I don't know." So uh, that's what's that, that's the latest. And this Beyond Corporation, I'm still like wondering, like, what is really up with these folks? You know, that the, the, where they're basically funding Spider-Man to do good, and 
I still don't know what they're getting out of this yet. Well, there's definitely uh, always great reasons and very phil- uh, philanthropic, philan- uh, whatever. Yeah, you know Good, what yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, beneficial reasons why a corporation would uh, clone Spider-Man and then, uh, you know, go about doing quote-unquote good deeds. I mean, sure, yeah, those ones are good, but I have to imagine that there's something nefari- nefarious underneath all of those. Well, yeah, it's a comic book. I mean, come on. <laughs> right? No, what, good, what good guy corporations in a comic book? I mean, the only good guy one was Peter Parker's and his collapsed. So there you go. Exactly. Uh, moving on from that, Disney Plus has released the limited series Hawkeye, and it was over Thanksgiving was when they dropped the first two episodes. They're doing it every Wednesday on Disney Plus, kind of like what they were doing with Loki. It's a six-episode miniseries that goes uh, between like 40 and 50 minutes uh, for each one. And so episode four has dropped off at this point. Uh, I know, BJ, you haven't seen episode three yet. So I'm gonna, I haven't. I'm going to the kind, one and two. I'm going to kind of keep it a little bit vague, uh, and I won't do any spoilers for some of the major stuff. Thanks, buddy. Yeah. But- uh, last I remember, last I remember is that uh, you know, good old Kate Bishop thought she was helping <laughs> when you know, basically he was, you know, he was he's setting them up to basically capture him, but really he was just he was just trying to see the boss. He was pulling off the yeah. Black Widow chair scene, if you remember that. Mm-hmm. He was really. It was a good callback to that. And so, yeah, so episode three kind of gets deeper into that. But, yeah, so if you don't know, Hawkeye is a new miniseries on Disney Plus that is going and talking, obviously, about Clint Barton and Hawkeye, but a new character, Kate Bishop, and her, basically, her whole interaction with uh, Hawkeye was that she was a little girl when the attack of New York happened from the first Avengers. So when he was there running around shooting people and stuff, her, like, apartment, like, penthouse apartment worth a lot of money, because, I mean, it's in New York. Uh, ends yeah, well, her, up, family, her family had cash. Oh, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, it gets kind of blown out, so she's just there watching him do this, and it was just the, 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 the kind of the linchpin to get her as a little girl, I don't know, something like, you know, 10 years old or something like that, and to make her just want to be a hero. She wants to be Hawkeye so much that she trained her life doing all sorts of different martial arts, obviously archery, and doing very well at it, and then finally coming across the fact that now, due to the fact that uh, some Avengers merchandise was uh, going on auction... She ended up donning um, Clint Barton's Ronin costume to kind of get away because she didn't want to be seen being in that area. And then that kind of sets off the whole slew of events because we didn't get super deep into the Ronin character. And now we're finding out more about what Clint Barton was doing during that time. And it was killing a lot of people, a lot of bad people. But it was really it was not necessarily doing superhero things. It was a dark time for Clint Barton as his family had been snapped away. Exactly. And it was very interesting to see because, I mean, obviously he was it's like, why did my family get snapped away when all these bad guys are still out there? And so he decided to do what, you know, uh, a super spy like him does best is stay in the shadows and kill the bad guys. Did his own snapping. Yeah, exactly. And so this series really seems to be hinging on the fact that Clint Barton doesn't see himself as a hero. 
yet everybody around him sees him as a hero. So when you see something along the lines in episode two, when obviously when Kate's meeting up with him and talking about that, that's one thing. But even the fact that uh, a guy who ends up with the costume at a live action role play uh, uh, scenario at like a Ren Fair. Um, he gets the costume and realizes who he's talking with when Clint tries to get the costume back. And he's just like, he's blown away. And he's like, dude, can you just let me kill you at this LARP, you know, in all fun and games, just so I look like a total badass. And it's hilarious. Yeah. Getting a free meal just because of what he did for the city. And yeah, the fact he, that he's yeah. very reluctant about it yeah, too. It's like, what do you mean? What did I do? And it's like, ah, oh, you do, you, you did a lot there, pal. Exactly. And, um, it's really very interesting to see because it's all sort of the it's really kind of dealing with the the repercussions of him being Hawkeye, obviously that. But then with this new episode at the end of the first episode or the second episode, we saw the character who is the leader of the tracksuit mafia, which yes. are the ones that are chasing around uh, uh, chasing around Kate because Ronan being around is a like a big red flag for them. You get a little bit more intro, uh, uh, a little bit more of information in that in the third episode, and then also at that you get a good backstory for that leader, and it it really kind of leads into the dynamics that uh, Ronan had in the in the criminal underworld because definitely a feared person if this person's going around and just kind of waxing all the baddies. Oh yeah. And it makes it a little bit more complicated, not so much that I necessarily feel um feel any sympathy towards the bad guy, but you kind of understand their reasonings as it's going about. And the character in the comics is named Echo. Uh, I don't know if she's been called that yet at this point in time, but uh, very, very fleshed out character in terms of um, of what uh, she's been doing. And I felt she was like, I think all of the characters at this point are very well written. Uh, yeah. I, I love uh, Haley Steinfeld as Kate Bishop. Yeah, she does a good job. And it's funny because it's even taking that as much as, as Jeremy Renner as Clint Barton doesn't, he doesn't want to have that, um, uh, you know, he doesn't want to be a role model. Doesn't want a Robin. No, he doesn't. But the fact that she's ingratiated herself into all of this and he, he, he has to save her because of his past screw ups and what's been going on makes it very interesting. And even just the fact that she's 22 years old. So she's kind of like, you know, Gen Z or whatever the hell they are at that point at that age and talking about like, Oh, you got to work on your branding. And he's just the old guy being like, no, I don't No, no, I don't. Why would I want to do that? I'm supposed to be a super spy. Like that was the whole point of what him and, you know, black widow had to do um, throughout the entire thing. Yeah, it's 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 very well done. It's 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 a fun relationship between the two of them. And of course, you know, the idea that Kurt's uh, that 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 Clint's wife is so understanding because it's you know, the kids are like, "Dad, really? I thought we we're going to do Christmas. We we're having this right. thing. We're doing this New York City thing." And he's like, "I know, but there's the thing. I see your dad used to kill a bunch of people when you guys were snapped away and I have to fix this." Sorry. <laughs> yeah. And it's really it's kind of interesting too because they do address in the comic books um, Hawkeye lost his hearing, and they've definitely incorporated that into it. And it's very interesting, especially in the third episode. They get kind of into it a little bit more. It's uh, one of those things that really uh, is a part of the character. And even when dealing with Maya, who is Echo, um, in this one, she, there's there's some differences. She herself, I 
think I know it definitely is deaf, might be deaf mute, but also has a prosthetic limb. So it's kind of interesting just to see where you're having differently abled people interacting in a superhero slash supervillain type way. Yeah. I, I yeah. really I really like what they're doing it with it right now. Now, there is some major rumors going around uh, about episode three. So if you look online, you might have seen some stuff. Uh, if you haven't seen it yet, I suggest staying offline and just watching this. It's like any Disney series at this point in time. When the first episode drops, everyone's going to watch it at midnight, and you got to stay off social media until you watch it, or there's the potential of getting spoiled. So so it's a, it's a rumor based on... On what we've seen. There's a rumor based on episode three. three. Somebody uh, somebody okay. laughs, and from that laugh, because you don't see their face on screen, everybody has determined it's a certain person. Oh, and we I'm, don't right. know. I'll still go for sure. Now. I'm gonna listen for the laugh. Exactly. And you'll know, you'll know, and yeah. then you'll look online, you'll be like, oh my gosh, is that true? Because we don't know yet. Um, I, but I mean, again, it's a uh, weekly, it's uh, every Wednesday. Three episodes in right now, six episodes total. So it'll be kind of a quick one. And I feel like it's one of those ones where, you know, I'm really happy that they're doing not even like 10 episode limited series. I like the fact where it hits about like six to eight because it seems like you can tell a really good story, especially if you don't have to really get into the super backstory or the origins of characters or they incorporate the older like Hawkeye mixing in with a younger character with Kate Bishop. It works really well when it comes down to being a smaller limited series. Yeah, it makes you wonder if that's what's going to be done because obviously the last season of this, this last season of Doctor Who was a six episode. It was a little mm-hmm. the, the episodes were longer, but yeah, I wonder if this is kind of what maybe we're going to be seeing in the future with uh, certain television shows where you know, yeah, we're going to have you know, like because Loki's coming back for season two. And I can't imagine it's going to be more than six episodes. I hope they keep it like that. Like it's yeah. really, I like the way they do that. And special shout out to uh, uh, Jolt, the Golden Retriever, playing the uh, one-eyed dog in the uh, in the series. Oh, he's great. He's fantastic. I, yeah. I mean, dogs are great. I love him. And it he was- loves pizza. I mean, you got to love a dog who loves pizza. <laughs> Absolutely. Now. Going to another show that is, this one's on Netflix, and it's getting major mixed reviews, and I don't think that it's getting the mixed reviews for the best reasons. Now, when this was announced, people were kind of iffy about it because anytime that there is a live action adaptation from an anime, usually the uh, the nerds out there are going to get a little mad about it. And that is definitely the case when it comes down to Cowboy Bebop. And it stars yeah. John Cho, Mustafa Shakir, and Daniela Pineda on uh, on the old on the old Bebop, the ship. And it's a sci-fi space western bounty hunter with an awesome soundtrack, especially if you love jazz. It just gets into some fantastic stuff. Oh yeah! And I feel that people, if you've watched the anime, are maybe not. <laughs> For some people, they're straight up, they're just not even watching this because they think it's already inferior without even giving it a chance, which I kind of feel is kind of a, it's it's not fair to the show. I will say this. Um, I watched the first episode. I, 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 I haven't watched all of this yet, but I've watched, I think, the first three. Mm-hmm. Um, and only because there's so much out there that I'm tra- that I have to keep track of. Otherwise, I would have binged this already. I I loved the first ep. I loved all the episodes that I've watched. It is it's so much so that I said, "Let me watch." 
you know, it's on Netflix as well. Let me watch the first episode of the animated version from way back. I mean, I forget how this is old. This is the 90s. Yeah, this is 1998 when it came out. And I hadn't watched the first. I hadn't watched it originally. Um, When this was announced, I wanted to watch some of them. So I watched like the first five episodes of, of the anime. And I still have the full collection I plan on doing and the movie as well that came out a couple of years later. So, yeah, like I had to go back and do that as well. Here's the thing. I have never been an anime person. I I just it's however they do what they do, which I know is intentional art form, just doesn't hit me the right way. I and and I you know, that's just how it is. I've tried and it was the same thing with Cowboy Bebop. I had just watched the live action. Now I'm watching the anime and I'm like, you know what? It's just like all anime for me. It's not hitting me the right way. Mm-hmm. Plus it seems a little dated. And I'm like, ah, I'd rather go back and watch the live action. So I can't really comment on whether or not the live action show is a fair adaptation of the anime. I can't comment. I mean, there were a lot of the same characters, similar characters. I will say this, though. The live action show is just good. Now, is it good for, is it a good translation of anime? I have no idea. I'm not an anime expert. Plus, I don't like anime, so I can't comment on that. (laughs) Fair enough, fair enough, yeah. But Cowboy Bebop is a good show. And, you know, so, I mean, you can watch this whether you're an anime fan fan or not. And that's the problem. Whenever you translate something, you know, the purists are not going to like it. And I'm, look, I'm a, I'm a person that is a purist in some ways, but I know that a translation into another medium is going to be different. Mm -hmm. So I try to judge it based on this is going to be presented to people that aren't even aware of the source material. They have to make it good. They have, they have to make it good for a, a mainstream audience if you will, as opposed to just the audience where the source material came from. And I think purists have to understand that. It's like they're never going to make a show that's 100% like what you remember unless it is such a popular thing that like skillions of people, and I I got news for you, skillions of people did not love Cowboy Bebop, the anime. Enough did, but not skillions. And, And Netflix needs a show that is going to have more people watch it than the folks that watched the original, right? And that is one of the big things that people weren't giving it a chance because they first they thought that it was a shot-for-shot remake because the the intro credits are pretty much that. Which Um, I liked. I thought that was cool that they did that. That makes sense to me. And there are obviously some elements that you will see in the in the show, in the in the live action show that are taken almost exactly from the 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 anime but when it comes down to it a lot of things have been changed a lot of things are different and some people didn't even know that they're like I'm not going to give this thing a chance because it's a shot for shot remake why would I want to watch that and I've had to explain to some people it's like no it's not there are some elements that yes are the same and the storyline kind of goes along the same which is the fact that we've got uh we've got Spike Spiegel who's played by John Cho Jet so Black well. Uh, yeah, Jet Black. Love him. Yeah, as his uh, as his uh, love as his that pilot. Dude. I mean, his that his, his mission. Yeah, his side mission, which I'm not gonna you know, in case you haven't seen it, his side mission for his kid is fantastic. And then we finally have Faye Valentine, which is a bounty hunter who woke up without her memories. So they all have their own stories, and the way that they incorporate all of those stories is is really good. The way they've been able to do that, and uh, I I just I think people need to give it a chance. And see what it is. And like you just said, like you can literally, wa- if you want to watch the anime, if you prefer that, you can go back and you can watch the anime. A lot of people are complaining about the fact that maybe the dialogue isn't as uh, as hip or cool as the old version. And I feel that's just like, well, I mean, 
like you even said, it's a little bit dated. It's so, very yeah. I'm glad it's not the same way. It's just it's very dated. If you can take it as its own entity that is derivative from that first one, I think you'll be fine with it. And it's like I'm not saying derivative in 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 a negative sense. Just the fact that it is going to be a little bit different and with a little bit of the similarity, so you can see some of those things. It's the spirit of it. I yeah. think they capture yeah, the spirit of it. There you go. Yeah, they Rev, they do. They capture the spirit of that dialogue without actually rec- like blow for blow doing the dialogue and also updating it. Um, you know, you can't win because if the people go, I don't want to watch it if it's just a complete remake, shot for shot, okay. And then the other people going, well, it's not a complete remake, shot for shot. I'm not going to watch it. You know, I'm just like, okay, well, you know, at that point, what are you going to do? Yeah. You know, you know, wake up and smell the fact that they're trying to do a show that a lot more people will like as opposed to just the anime fans. I love it. I think it's well done. John Cho, I mean, my gosh. I mean, it was like he was made for that role. It was like yeah. he was born to be Spike. Uh, and and Vicious, who's played by Alex Hassel, mm-hmm. uh, love Vicious. I mean, he's so over-the-top ridiculous. Oh, absolutely. And that, to me, is like, you know, that's what, you know, I a lot of a lot of those anime dudes, the anime bad guys from back in the day, as much as I don't like anime, but a lot of them were over-the-top ridiculous. You and, know? Yeah. And that's the thing that you're kind of looking for when it comes down to that. Like, it's... <laughs> they're they're space bounty hunters going from place to place, planet to planet, you know, collecting bounties, killing people. And yeah, it's going to be weird. It's going to be goofy. It's going to be all over the place. And that's what you're looking for with oh, this. Yeah. And like I've said many times, the people who they have cast for this knew what they were getting into. And I know I even saw something along the lines of uh, uh, the, the, the showrunners saying the whole mantra for the show was don't F this up. And I felt that they did very well. And again, like like we've said many times, the original stuff's out there. If you still want to watch that, good for you. You can do that. But maybe you know, expand your palate just a little it's bit. Right, it's right on Netflix. You can literally, you can literally <laughs> yeah. change from the live action right to the anime. Uh, <laughs> and as as a regular guy that never watched Cowboy Bebop and who's not an anime fan, this is a good fun show. So. You know, it's a well done show. You know, that that's what I'm you know, it's one thing to maybe go, ah, it's not what I remember, but it's still a good show. It's a quality program. And uh, going uh, moving on from something that's also very polarizing has been Star Trek Discovery. Da, da. Oh, wait, I, that's Star Wars. <laughs> My bad. Mm-hmm. I, and I know that you've been very much an advocate for Star oh, yeah. Trek Discovery as well. Yeah. And a lot of times people are kind of uh, willing to poo-poo it just because it's not their Star Trek, whatever that even means at that point in time. Yeah, it's you know, I guess when you have a, a, a storied franchise like Doctor Who, you're going to get people saying that because that's the big line from Doctor Who is that that's my doctor or that's not my doctor. Yeah. And uh, I'm just getting, I I don't know how long they're going to go on. Uh, You know, people are trying to find ways and find ways and find ways to criticize this show. And then eventually the show continues to go on. So (laughs) they're still trying to find ways and they're just dying on the mountain of hating Michael Burnham. And uh, which of course is Sonequa Martin Green's character. Uh, You know, what irritates me is that, Whenever you see Sinequa Martin Green, I said this to my wife. I was watching her recently again. She was on The View recently with Whoopi Goldberg, which was that was kind of cool. Oh, you know, fun, yeah. You know, like Guinan is interviewing Michael Burnham. How cool is that? Um, you know, and, and and every time she's on the Ready Room with Will Wheaton, I turned to my wife and I said, you know, Sinequa Martin Green encompasses so much in just the way that she bees. It's like. 
I think if aliens landed, I would like her to, to communicate on behalf of humanity. Oh, wow. I mean, she is such a terrific person. I, 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 Sinequa is so authentic, so real, so regal, so down to earth, so warm. I mean, I just, I just think with all of the fire that, you know, that character is under and, and that the fact that, you know, she's got to be aware of it as an actor and, you know, with also being a marginalized person in society and you know, double marginalized, obviously mm-hmm. being a female and being an African-American. And yet, my God, she is just an amazing human being with how she just carries herself and bees that I'm like, I, I don't know if I could ever be at that level. And you know what I mean? And yeah, I've had plenty of yeah. more advantages in life than she's had as far as just being able to just move through society. Um, and, that, and yet people still are going after that character. And yet she is such an amazing person that I'm like, we are you going to let this go, people? Can we let this go and just <laughs> and just appreciate the fact that this is who Michael Burnham is? But there's always somebody just nitpicking and, and just going out. This is not what a captain would do. This I mean, it's just like, oh, please. Honest to God, with all the dumb things that other Starfleet captains have done over the yeah. over the, the course of the franchise, okay, fine. Well, and I mean, um, even just looking at that, just uh, even thinking back to the fact that you know we had you know Captain Kirk for the longest time, and then when Star Trek: The Next Generation came out, and we had Picard, who was more of a diplomatic captain when it came down to it, people did that same exact thing, where it was like, oh, starship captains wouldn't do that sort of thing, and we're like, do you remember that you know Kirk was essentially a maverick kind of captain? Cowboy doing his own thing, and even when it comes down to that, Picard was doing his own thing as well, but it was not in the the uh, shoot first, ask questions later sort of way. And I've been watching the Center Seat, by the way, Rev, which is another show which I haven't even told you I've been watching. I should oh. put it on the list. The Center Seat is the documentary on the History Channel, uh, narrated by Gates McFadden, uh, oh, Doctor okay. Crusher, yeah, and uh, going over the history of Star Trek and. You know, look, Gene Roddenberry did a great job, no doubt about it, but everybody wants to talk about Roddenberry would be rolling over in his grave. Roddenberry, they don't understand that Roddenberry was overruled a lot. And (laughs) Roddenberry apparently had, uh, well, let's just say that there were some Coke-fueled interactions that he had (laughs) with trying to do what he wanted to do with his involvement with the movies and the original TV show and Next Generation. You know, Roddenberry was a complex person. He wasn't good. He wasn't evil. But, boy, he had moments of of both in some people's minds. And he was a pain in the ass. So when people try to just glorify Roddenberry, um, I forget. I think it was Nicholas Meyer, who was the director of Star Trek Wrath of Khan, said this about Roddenberry. He's the kind of guy that creates something, but he's not a day-to-day guy. Like, you know, he can't really run a day-to-day operation. He's a mess. But, boy, he's a guy that can create amazing things. But to actually make it work, yeah, you know, uh, it's 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 like the it's like the you know the Richard Garfield Peter Atkinson relationship with Magic the Gathering and Wizards of the Coast. You know, they Richard Garfield's an amazing designer, but if not for Atkinson, really like going, here's what we need, here's what we want. I mean, he was integral in, in making magic happen too. Mm-hmm. You just you know, he's the business guy, the day to day guy, uh, and that's the thing is that Gene Roddenberry gets a lot of credit that frankly he doesn't deserve. And he gets basically lauded for things. So when people go, this isn't what Star Trek is. No, you dude, you don't understand. It's people like Michelle Paradise and like Akiva Goldsmith and like all the folks. Those are the people that give us the day-to-day Star Trek that we love. Not Gene Roddenberry. Because if it was up to him, 
we would have had some horrific BS in this world of Star Trek. <laughs> uh, so the, 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 go watch the center seat and realize it wasn't a joy, it, the, you know, for people having to work with Gene Roddenberry. Uh, and I don't mean that to bring the guy down. I just want to. I don't want to bring him down. I want to bring him where he belongs. He's a human being like everybody else, and many people right, were yeah. responsible for the success of Star Trek, not just Gene Roddenberry. Uh, and that's why I bring it up because. This, to me, is just like what the vision of Star Trek is. People are complaining, wow, it seems like it was just like last season. There's a big threat that's affecting the galaxy and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, no. Actually, no, it's not just like last season. Actually, this is a, a big social commentary of what's going on exactly right now in our society. It's beautifully done the way sci-fi does it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's great loss being dealt with by one of the characters. And, of course, David Ajala is the greatest guy you could ever want to have to be the man that has to do and deal with that loss. There is a wonderful marginalized, uh, you know, sort of character on the show who also is representing marginalized people in society and what's going on there in order for that person to be seen. But it's done in a sci-fi way, and it's not really saying here's what's going on today. But it's like this character has an issue that they're trying to figure out how to solve. I mean, it's beautifully done. The way Star Trek does it. It's like, my God, this is what Star Trek does. This is what Star Trek has always done. And they've been doing it for 60 years. Yes. This is, I mean, Roddenberry, there's no way he'd be spinning in his grave because this is what he did in the 60s. This is what he was good at, getting marginalized people at the table and fighting for them. I mean, he fought like hell to get marginalized people at the table, and and guys like George Takei will tell you that. I mean, you know, and then there are people that will tell you also that he was a bit of a pain in the ass, especially when <laughs> when he was on the booger sugar. So you know, whatever. You know, I mean, it's yeah, just I mean, you, know. you know, I mean, that's just the way stuff was done. And again, this isn't me. This is from the Center Seat documentary. So if you want to call them liars, hey, I'm only quoting the History Channel. <laughs> what do you want from me? Um, you know, so yeah, uh, it's the season starting off with a bang. There is a gigantic anomaly that seems to be intelligent that is wiping out planets and just on the move. And just when they figured, hey man, we're going to go do this dangerous thing to be able to predict where this thing can go because they're scientists, the thing then decided to go in its own direction. And they're like, it, we can't even predict where it's going. It's a, it, it, it seems to go where it wants. That's what it wants to do, yeah. And they're like, well, we can't protect any place if we don't know where the hell this is going to go. Yeah. Even, if you, even if you have a ship that has the spore drive that can jump anywhere it wants to go, it doesn't matter. <laughs> you, still, it does, you don't know where this is going to go. Um, and uh, some really cool effects. It's great to see Michael in the captain's chair. She's officially the captain. Oh, nice. Uh, you know, and uh, Tilly has been, I mean, Mary Weissman, uh, has done some great growth with that character. She seems different this year. You know, like the character seems more mature and has some more experience. Uh, I love that arc, just watching in, the, the, in these four seasons now what Mary Weissman has done with that character. Another character who's, you know, basically come under fire because, I don't know, maybe because she's a woman. You know, I mean, I'm getting really tired of my Star Trek fans who, wow, you seem to only be criticizing the women of the show. Oh, gosh, huh, yeah. You know, you really, I mean, everybody you have a problem with seems to be female, Huh, you know, I mean, maybe you better get used to the fact that these are really quality actors and quality characters, and maybe you just have a problem with something else in your life. You should get addressed by a therapist. Gosh, yeah, uh, right. Yeah, it's on Paramount Plus, baby. What's therapy when you could just complain about it on the internet? Oh, yeah, you're right. What do, I don't need a therapist. <laughs> and finally, a show that, did would, did Vicky uh, uh, get you onto Doom Patrol? Yes, she okay. did. Yeah, yeah she yeah. did. I, I got to give Vicky credit. Uh, Vicky, I have to say, man, 
hate to give her credit because she just, <laughs> because whenever I recommend a show, she's like, no, 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 you know, maybe someday, whatever. She's a completionist, and she's like, I can't watch Doctor Who. I'll have to go back and watch every one that they did from the 60s. I go, no, you don't. <laughs> yeah, as a matter of fact, just start with the latest Doctor. They always kind of do a reset anyway, yeah. and you can go back, and, but she won't do it. Uh, so then uh, that's when I go, well, I won't watch your shows. And all I do is rob myself of really watching great and then, shows. And then you do, and I even, gosh, what was it? It was Big Mouth. You sent me a message. You're oh, like, dang God, it, yeah. this show's really good. Vicky it's a did great it show. <laughs> you know, and I'm, and I'm like, what, five years out? I mean, I, 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 I fought on that hill for five years. <laughs> I will not watch your Big Mouth. Uh, I, I, I fought on the hill for two years. I will not watch your uh, Harley Quinn. I will not watch this. And... Oh, and then man. you're like, dang it, these are good. Yeah, it's like, why didn't I watch this? Harley Quinn's the greatest. Big Mouth is awesome, and so is Doom Patrol. But I have said this before. Doom Patrol is as magical and wonderful as The Wizard of Oz was, I'm sure, when people saw it for the first time. It is wow, a, okay, it, yeah. It, yeah. It really, really is. And um, this season was another great season. As uh, everybody had to deal with crap. I mean, they're not, you know, they're they're <laughs> well, trying yeah. to be a super team, but they're not a super team, uh, and they're usually they're usually all pretty useless, uh, you know. And <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah, uh, this year featured Michelle Gomez, who you may know from Sabrina the Teenage Witch, or you oh. Doctor Who fans know as Missy. Uh, she is a terrific actor, Michelle Gomez. Um, I forget what did she what did she call herself. Oh, I wish Vicky was here because Vicky had the quote that Michelle's basically say, all I do is play bitchy bad guys or something. Bitches and bad guys. She goes, that's all I ever play. Um, and she's just wonderful. Michelle Gomez is and also just perfect. You know, it's like, you know, there's certain people that you can just install in a franchise and go, will they be OK? Will they fit in? Because, you know, Doom Patrol's a quirky show. Oh, yeah. Um, and um, season three wrapped up, wrapped up beautifully. Uh, Rita Farr's character, uh, well, Rita, actually, Rita Farr is the character. She, uh, Rita Farr, really had a great story arc in this one. Yeah, because she's been a, you know, she's been kind of two dimensional, sort of this 1940s film star, which April Balby, uh, Bol- uh, uh, I think that's how she, or Balby, April plays her so well. You swear she was plucked out of the 1940s with the way she wow. speaks, her mannerisms. I mean, this is. An amazing performance. I've been just so so amazed at Rita's at, at Rita Farr's character, and uh, April did a really good job flushing her out and taking this real two dimensional nineteen forties character and giving it more dimension. It is that, that can't be easy to do. Where they'll go, you need to play somebody who's two dimensional, okay? But you need to make it three dimensional, okay? <laughs> um, because as you know, if you watch any of those 1940s movies, early or 19, you know, 1940s, 1950s movies, everybody's like, hey, you see, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. You see, yeah. I mean, the, the dialogue is stiff. People are stiff. And that's how Rita is. But man, I mean, it's still done as she's interacting with, you know, tw- 21st century people. Uh, everybody's so good. Uh, Matthew Zuck's negative man is really good as he goes through his thing. Uh and Diane Guerrero's Crazy Jane, again, you know, the one with the multiple personalities. Mm-hmm. Uh, what a what a terrific season for that character. Uh, just really, you know, everybody is just so amazing. And, of course, you know, Brendan Fraser is Robot Man. How do you not love him? I know. Uh, everyone <laughs> Everyone loves Brendan Fraser. And it's like, you know, I love the fact that everyone's pulling for him and the fact that he was able to kind of come back into Hollywood in su- with such a ridiculous yet super interesting character is kind of fun. A lot of people probably don't know about this. It's really sad, but if you're if you remember Brendan Fraser, unless you're a sci-fi fan, because you got to go deep into the HBO Max app 
and you get to really find Doom Patrol and want to watch this show because the comic book was, I mean, nothing special in my eyes. And it is nothing like the comic book as far as I know. Mm-hmm. I don't know how it could be uh, because they've just basically said, we're going to take these comic book characters and then we'll make up our own stuff. I mean, if this is what <laughs> they did in the comic book sometime, congratulations to DC. But my memory of this is, like, this is an old school comic book from the 70s that's just like, ugh, you know, it's like, who cares about this? Who cares about these characters? Robot man, elongated woman, you know, crazy Jane, which is a horrific oh name. Oh my gosh, right? To, rather to call a character who's got multiple personality disorder. But, you know, that's the 70s, baby, or even earlier. That's what we did. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they've taken that and turned it into, I really believe it's one of the best shows on television. But it's, it really is. It is. It just draws you in and you care about these people. And you love what they do with these people. And also, it is, uh, if you feel marginalized in any way, shape, or form, you are celebrated in this show. It is, I mean, they, awesome. they, they go out of their way to celebrate it. I mean, they, 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 I mean, they just, and they don't, they, they, don't, they don't hide it. They go, look, we're not, this is beautiful, and here it is. And you're like, wow, the, this is so awesome. Wouldn't it be great if this were the world? You know, you oh, just gosh, like, yeah. You know, like, boy, if this were the world, this would be awesome. But that's, that's the world on Doom Patrol, and it is just a bunch of people who don't look like what you're supposed to think people look like, <laughs> and they're amazing people. You mean people with differences can actually go out there and make a difference? Oh, yeah. And, and, they're, and, they're, and they're also losers at the same time well. as, as superheroes. I mean, they're wonderful people, loser superheroes, <laughs> and, and, and you're just going to love them. I love all of this. And again, let us know how you feel about Doom Patrol or even stuff like Hawkeye, Star Trek Discovery. All of those different things. Uh, I would, you know, I'll be more than happy to argue with people about Cowboy Bebop. So you can send me messages if you yeah, want please to. Please do. I mean, I like the show, but I, <laughs> I, I, I don't know how to argue against the anime. So that's your job. Yeah, yeah. I'm more than willing to do that, guys. Uh, definitely get a hold of us, bjgeeknation.com, for all the info on how to do that. And stay nerdy.